Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy, a practical guide for making the holidays holy days. And we're about 41 days away from the new year. And uh, I just want to encourage you that no matter what has happened up to this point, that you can press restart with this video right here. <laughs> you know, the thing is that you may feel like I've been doing this and I've been failing, you know, whatever. Um, but we haven't even entered into the last 40 days of the year yet. We're close, but we haven't. And 40 days, that's that kind of biblical time frame where God did miraculous things. This is when, you know, Jesus resisted Satan for 40 days in the desert and God flooded the, the, flooded the earth in 40 days. You know, this is a big, 40 days is sort of a biblical time period. And we haven't even entered into that yet. So there is still plenty of time for God to work a great miracle in your life. And I just want to encourage you to press restart. You know, I say it all the time, but the only way to to fail really is to quit. You know, we stumble all the time. We get back up, we press restart, and we start walking again. Um, you know, stumbling is not is not failure. Only quitting is complete failure. So get back up, whatever's been going on, and and get back in the game today. So today I want to talk about one principle that I think is really um, it's just significant, if not um, completely imperative, to living the holy life, and that's the holy practice of the O-Hat Day. So now, here's my uh, explanation of this. We all know, I'm sure you're familiar with the concept of living one day at a time. Jesus was the one who taught us 2,000 years ago that we need to live one day at a time, that uh, he says, do not worry about tomorrow, tomorrow will worry about itself, or each day has enough trouble of its own. We need to just set our sights on living for one day at a time. And um, we, you know, the recovery community in the 20th century picked this back up, calling it a, you know, ODAT, one day at a time living. Whereas I may not be able to think about staying sober for the rest of my life. Certainly not. Maybe not the rest of the year. Maybe not the rest of the month. But uh, not even the rest of the week. But I can stay sober today. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to dedicate today. And that, that is really what we're doing, is we've set this goal that we want to not do, you know, blank. I don't want to yell, or I'm not going to have any temper talk, or I'm not going to do this, or I am going to do this from now until the end of the year. But really, that's a little too much for our brains to take in. We just need to live one day at a time. But I have found something to be true in my own life, and that is that there are certain days that are just one hour at a time days. Jay and I will look at each other and we'll say, today, just so you know, today's a one hour at a time kind of day. And that is when, for no ex apparent reason, the demons of the three Ds is what I call them, and the, the doubt, discouragement, and despair have settled in. It could be because I, you know, I can see why, or it could be that I don't even get why. I, it just seems like for no apparent reason, which I think can be even more um, discouraging, uh, it, they just settle in. And it's going to be a day where we really truly live out the thought that being a disciple sometimes comes down to just being faithful for one more hour. And those days are going to come, and that's what I want to talk about today. Now, before we get into how to deal with that kind of day, I just want to give you um, there are three reasons that they may come. There are many reasons, but I'll give you three that I have identified in my own life. One is, if there is a particularly spiritual event coming up in your life, if you're getting ready to go to Bible talk, if you're getting ready to have a Bible study with someone, if you are going to a particularly evangelistic event, could be a Sunday service, could be a, a, another big event, 
of course Satan is going to oppose that. He's going to send all the demons that he can your way so that he can stop you because the last thing he wants is anybody getting any spiritual encouragement. Um, he doesn't want nourishment coming to anyone. He certainly doesn't want anybody who is lost being found or coming to God. So he is going to fight back. So you have to be ready that this is going to happen at that time. Another time is just at the end of a significant spiritual battle. Um, sometimes you can be fighting and fighting and fighting and you're like winning, you know? You're really fighting back and, 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 and so far, so good. I've been relying on God. I haven't given in. I've been fighting Satan back. And so you kind of just go, whew, you kind of feel like I did it. I made it. And you turn around and right at the end, Satan throws something at you. He gets you right at the end. And for those of you that are familiar with Lord of the Rings, there is an excellent visual for this particular battle. And that is when Gandalf, in the very first, in the Fellowship of the Ring, um, after they're coming through the, uh, what is it, the caves, they're, they're coming out of the tunnels the, the, of that of the dwarves and they have had epic battles they have fought a cave troll and they have fought goblins and they have fought orcs i mean it's go it's been crazy they've been fighting and running and and then all of a sudden this demon comes up at the end it's called a balrock and uh you know it's one of my favorite lines that um where uh, i can't remember who says it wait who says i can't remember but he says what is this new devilry and then gandalf goes it's a balrock you need to run so this is the, the, the premise is that this is an ancient demon that is going to be too much for anybody here. Even the weapons that they have, they're not even going to be able to fight with those anymore. So they're running and running and running, and finally Gandalf turns around, and he puts his staff in the ground, and he says to this demon, you shall not pass. And he fights this Balrog so that everybody else can get away. And he fights him, you know, to, to where the Balrog is actually falling down into the abyss. And you're like, yes, he won. He got it. He did it. Go, Gandalf. And so Gandalf, you know, sort of does this to his neck and he turns around because he's, he's like, I'm done. I, we made it. And right at the end, the Balrog sends up this whip in the darkness and he, and he lassos Gandalf's ankle I think it is and pulls him down into the abyss and right at the end he gets him and this is something that you feel at the end you just almost made it I fought I fought I fought but you turn around and he gets you and that is a great visual to remember like sometimes you think you're done with the battle and it's right at the end don't get cocky and don't turn around keep fighting all the way to the end and then the third time that I think that I've seen this happen is during a time uh, it's called. It's like a surprise attack. It's when you've been having a great time. You know, maybe you're at a at, at a dinner. At your you're at your Thanksgiving dinner, or you know, you're, you're you've sort of your your guard is down a little bit because uh, you you're just having a good time, just enjoying the fellowship of all the all the saints, the disciples. You're around. You know, having a really good time. And then right at the end, Satan will send something because he sees that your guard is down, and he'll send a. You know, it, oftentimes it can be in in a fight with your with a with a child, um, you know, your son or daughter, or it could be with a fight with your spouse, and it's just like, all of a sudden, wait, wait, what happened? We were having a great time, we were having a great time, and what happened? Because so, Satan knows you've got your guard down, and so he's going to send something to you. So, who knows why these times can happen, and it could just happen, you wake up, and for no other good reason that you can even see, it's going to be one of these battle days. So, um, I wanted to just give you those heads up that this could be why this happens, but really, regardless of why it happens, we need to know how to deal with it in the moment. 
And I have one scripture in particular that has helped me with my one hour at a time days. And that is in 2 Corinthians 1. And I think this is one of the, the times you want to turn over if you can later, maybe. Maybe you're, I don't know, driving right now or putting on your makeup. But this is a passage you might want to mark up a little bit. It says in 2 Corinthians 1, 8, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. And I had just sort of jotted down three things that really sort of stand out to me and help me from this scripture. And that is, the first thing is that right at the very beginning, he says, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers of the hardship that we suffered. And I think that you have to get to a point in your life where the people around you are not uninformed about what's going on in your life. When you wake up and you're going to have a one hour at a time kind of day, when you know this day is going to be, I'm going to stay faithful for one hour at a time, you need to let some people know. Now, I have the privilege of living with a disciple in my home. So I have a, I have a husband that's a believer, so I can tell him, babe, this is going to be a one hour at a, t- at a day kind of one hour at a time kind of day. And so he knows you need to inform those people that you live with, if they're disciples, what you're going through. Some of you don't have the privilege of living with disciples, and that's where that small group is going to come in. You have to utilize your small group. You have to send a text out right then and say, just, you know, FYI, it's a one hour at a time kind of day. That's why you say OHAT, O-H-A-A-T. So it's an OHAT day for me so that people know, oh, I need to give extra prayer for my friend. Um, it may be that the Simply Holy community, uh, the Facebook group, is the it's really your biggest hope. You know, that may be the closest that you have to that community that will pray for you. Amen. Get on that community. And I have different pockets of people. I have... I have sort of this little, I have kind of different small groups, you know, in a way I have a little community that understands what it would mean from a homeschooling perspective. They know, oh, okay, I get it. (laughs) She wants to quit homeschooling. Got it. Praying. Or I have, uh, you know, this other community that understands what it means sort of to adopt and what the hardships are of that that are special to foster kids or adopted kids. And Or I'll have this other community that's really in touch with what it means to be in the ministry and um, just to be on that front line of full-time ministry. You know, you have different people that understand different things, or maybe it's your, you know, uh, other people that raise teens, other people that have prodigals, other people, whatever. And you just need to alert them, I'm having a one hour at a time kind of day. You need to not let the people around you be uninformed. If this is Paul... Oh, good grief. How much more do we need to inform? And at the end, you'll see that it says on the very last, uh, or at the second to the last sentence, it says, um, as you help us by your prayers. You know, sometimes we can have the wrong 
uh, image of what prayer is, because we'll say something like, all I can do is pray. <laughs> okay, that just betrays the fact that that's how we look at prayer. Um, and I, I'm just as guilty as anybody likes, all I can do is pray. No, it's the most important thing you can do is pray. That's the most important thing. That's the first line of defense is prayer. He says after that, he says, Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. You know, sometimes, um, you know, we need the prayers of some to help other people get their needs met. So, you know, I, I may be the conduit of something. You know, I, for, for example, I feel like in some ways I bring hope to a lot of people because I'm able to even just make a video. I'm able to make this video to people who maybe don't have um, a, in, enough incoming, spiritual incoming in their life. But your prayers, you guys who are praying for me, you make that available to other people. So prayer is, man, it's the oil. It's making the engine run, you know. It's, it's a very important thing to have these prayers coming in and to inform people of what's going on, you know, in our life. Now, and I will just say before I leave this one point that I think, you know, sometimes we can have, I know I do, we have a response when we're reading about Paul and we know the hardships that he suffered. Because right here he's talking about the hardships they suffered in Asia. And you know that Paul was flogged. He was beaten with rods. He was almost dead. He got back up. He was shipwrecked. He was, I mean, good grief. The guy had serious problems. And, you know, sometimes we can look at Paul and sort of roll our eyes at our own problems, right? Or we can look in Time Magazine and we can see the refugees. We can look at the news and we can see people who have true hardship. And, and you know, they don't have a place to live. They don't have food to eat. They don't have, you know, and then we kind of like roll our eyes at our own problems, which really are rich people problems. And there's a part of that that is true and good. But there's another part of that that's dangerous and Satan can get you because if you roll your eyes at your own problems, then you, you, you cut yourself off from the help that you can receive from how Paul dealt with his problems. And you cut yourself off from the example and the teaching. We need to look at this and not feel ashamed somewhat of our own spiritual condition and think, wow, what am I complaining about? And just go, well, when these times come, how am I going to deal with it? And go, well, Paul informed people. I'm going to inform the people in my life. I'm going to let them know it's an OHAT day. Okay. Um, even if it is just that my dryer doesn't work and I spilled something. You know, okay, just at least it doesn't matter. Our pain is our pain. So we need to we need to let people know. Okay, and then I the second thing I wrote down is set your hope. And here in verse 9 it says, Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but um, oh no, I'm reading the wrong thing. What am I reading? Yeah, here I read, I read the wrong thing. It says, he has delivered us from such deadly peril and he will deliver this. He will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. And I think we have to realize what, what are we setting our hope on? We have to remember, like, you know, I was saying to Jay yesterday, I was like, man, God, when am I going to get it that God always comes through? <laughs> like, is, is there going to be a time in my life where I, I start to get this concept? Because I've seen it. I, it happens over and over. He comes through. He comes through. He comes through. I've watched him deliver me before. And so I am going to set my hope on the truth, the absolutely unshakable truth that he will come through. 
on that, I am going to set my hope. I'm going to look back at all the times that he's delivered me before, and I'm going to say, I can't wait for him to deliver me again. That is what I'm going to set my hope on. You know, when we become hopeless, that's what, that's what despair is for me. When we give into our despair, we, we, God, God is, we, we have lost our focus. We have to set our hope. Uh, you know, there's so many times you could you could just make a study out of that one phrase in the Bible. We'd set your hope, set our hope. We have set our hope. You know, what are you setting your mind on? We need to set our hope on the fact that he will continue to deliver us. We have seen him deliver before and he will deliver us. This one hour at a time day will not last forever. Okay one hour at a time. You get yourself through that next hour by setting your hope on God. You, you, you have little things that are at your disposal, right? I've talked about them many times. You can pick out one scripture and you continue to say it as a mantra in your mind. Um, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart bring you praise. That's one I use all the time. Um, I have another one that I'm, I'm, I'm using right now is that I, we make it our goal to please him. You know, whenever I don't want to please God, whenever I'm feeling like giving up, whenever I'm like, I can't do it, I can't even do one more hour, I'm saying this every minute, we make it our goal to please Him. My goal is to please God. And you know what? We know that in James it says that we need to resist the devil and he will flee. The best way for you to resist the devil is to continually say that mantra over and over. This is what Jesus did when he was fighting Satan in the in the desert is he quoted scriptures. So we know that. So that's a, that's a tool that we have. We have ways to set our hope. We have spiritual music. Get it going. If you can't do anything else, get that spiritual music going in your mind. You know, there are ways to set our hope hour by hour. So we need to follow those ways. And then the, the last thing I would say is to keep in mind the right goal. The right goal. Um, it is not our goal that Jesus, that God come in and change our circumstances. That's not the goal. We do not need him to change our circumstances. We need him to change our hearts. So we need to quit praying that the kid will not be sick, that we will not be sick, that God will fix the circumstance, that he will fix this and he will fix that. No. We need God to fix our hearts. So the reason that this whole thing happened, if you look at this, Paul gives an overreaching reason for his hardships. And we have to keep this in mind. In the middle of this, it says, indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but this happened. Now here, it doesn't say so that, but it could. But this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You know, all of this is to teach you to stop relying on yourself. You've had failure up to this point? Yeah, relying on yourself. We cannot do it. (laughs) We are absolutely going to be pushed past our ability to endure so that we learn how to rely on God's endurance, so that we learn that we do everything by His strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, not through willpower, not through ourselves, not because we're awesome, not because we can do a lot, not because we're pretty strong, but because God is really strong. You know, he's allowing whatever it is that's going on in your life, disciple, right now, 
He has perfectly orchestrated it. It has been perfectly screened because he's, he's doing just enough. He has the dosage right to where it really is too much for you, but not enough, <laughs> but not too much for him. It's not enough to kill you, <laughs> and it's just enough to make you stronger by relying on him. So don't forget that this entire thing has been orchestrated so that you will learn to rely on not yourself, but on God who raises the dead. So whatever you're going through in your life right now, you may, you're going to go up against these days that are one hour at a time kind of days and just announce it. So these are the three things you're going to announce it to the world. You're going to make sure that the people in your life are not informed. You're going to set your hope on God each hour because you know he's delivered you before and this is not going to last forever. It's, it's, it's just staying faithful for one more hour. And you're going to remember all of this is to teach you to rely on God and not on yourself until next time.